Grace to you in peace and welcome. You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. My name is Ben Brannan, Associate Pastor for Youth and Young Adults. And each week it is our hope that from the pulpit, God will twist and mold our words to land upon the listener's ears in a meaningful way that will inspire faith, encourage hope, and cultivate love in action. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here with us. Please subscribe and share, and I pray that through our words, you may grow closer to God. Would you pray with me? As your word is read and proclaimed, grant that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Acts. The story, we have two encounters here that give light to God's unique and powerful salvation in this world. You can follow along with me on New Testament page 897 in your pew Bible. We're in Acts 16, verses 16 through 34. So it's a rather long story, so perhaps we want to follow along. So listen now for God's word to us this day. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, that's Paul, Silas, and Timothy, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves to the Most High God who proclaim a way to salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing the city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners all had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are still here. The jailer called for lights and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, 
Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that they had become believers in God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is a busy chapter. A busy time in Philippi for Paul and Silas. The story that precedes ours is a story of sweet salvation. A light, feel-good story. Lydia is an independent Greek businesswoman and a worshiper of the God of Israel. She is open, kind, generous, and beloved by all. She welcomes the gospel message gladly and then welcomes the preachers into her home following the baptism. And we just heard the jailer welcomed the preachers, Paul and Silas, into his home following the baptism as well. So please note, preachers still love to be invited to your home after baptism (laughs) so we can continue this biblical and ancient tradition. But our story for today is a story of a different color and tone. It's full of paganism oppression and slavery, complete with evil spirits, exploitation, anti-Semitism, topped off with violence, abuse, and imprisonment. Yet even in the deepest, darkest dungeons of life, the gospel can save. If we listen to the spirit-possessed slave girl's announcement and take the jailer's question to heart, the passage is about salvation. The girl announces that Paul and Silas are slaves to the Most High God who proclaim a way to salvation. The jailer, following his attempted suicide, asks the question, what must I do to be saved? This passage begins with an evil spirit-inspired slave girl freed and ends with a Holy Spirit-converted jailer all of which speak to God's salvific character made known in Jesus Christ. In their encounter with the spirit-possessed slave girls, Paul and Silas are confronted with a woman of no status, no power, no freedom, being bound as a slave to the cartel of human masters and bound as a slave by an evil spirit. The Greek word here for the evil spirit is python. Yes, like the snake that wraps its body around its victim and squeezes life. Well, that's precisely what is going on here. This young girl enslaved by a spirit is seen as if she is literally out of her mind, being taken advantage of by her two human masters, exploiting her gift of prophecy for profit alone. She is gripped by the python having her life squeezed from her. She follows Paul and Silas for several days, yelling the same thing. These men are slaves to the Most High God who proclaim a way to salvation. And for whatever reason, Paul gets fed up. Perhaps even the truth when proclaimed through abusive systems can be distorted and misguided. 
Annoyed, Paul turns and in the name of Jesus Christ, exercises her, setting her free from the python's grip. But the focus doesn't stay on her. There's no mention of her at all after this. Her human masters simply complain that their main source of income has been taken away. So they take Paul and Silas to the authorities and then to the magistrates and the crowds, who you may think would respond in awe after witnessing the exorcism, join in attacking them. I would think that there would have been a turn to faith, perhaps, that at Jesus' name alone, she is released from the grips of divination. But no. Instead, the turn is toward greed, toward bigotry, to pointing the blame at Paul and Silas, who are quote-unquote outsiders who came into their city to disrupt what they call peace. First, Paul and Silas are confronted with an evil spirit. Now they are confronted with perhaps an even bigger evil, a system of oppression. How often in our world today has the exploitation of those who are lesser than been used only to serve the more powerful? How often in our world have those in positions of privilege take center stage, the focus, while the oppressed are pushed out of the spotlight? The slave girl is now free, but she is still shackled by the system. And then Paul and Silas become the focus of that system, a system that labels them as others and labels the other as different. You see, first comes the anti-Semitic attack. These men are Jews. They are disturbing the status quo and who are advocating a new way of thinking and living that goes against our Roman customs. So Paul and Silas are then stripped, beaten, and thrown in jail. They are put into solitary confinement with shackles around their legs. Far too often in our world today, those who are labeled different or perceived different become the objects of blame. Fingers are pointed at those people as the source of all that is wrong in the world. They aren't like us, so they must be the problem, and we Get them out of the way. Now prisoners, Paul and Silas, do the only thing they can think to do. They pray to God, and they praise God. And at the midnight hour, an earthquake comes and breaks open the prison doors, shakes the shackles that bind the prisoners free. The jailer, the jailer sees the doors open and now is gripped by a python of a different source. Fear, shame, dishonor. Ashamed by what happened on his watch, fearful of what the Roman Empire may do to him, so he takes his sword, ready to end it all. These pythons in this story speak to the mental health crisis we face today. It's one of the most pressing issues of our time. Nearly one in five adults have a diagnosable health condition, and 46 of Americans will meet criteria sometime in their lifetime to be diagnosed. 
And in the past couple years, these have only been compounded and we see the growth in our young people as well. There are both external and internal factors that play a role in our mental health. There are many of us who battle long-term mental illnesses that, like the spirit-possessed girl, leave us feeling helpless, out of control, or perhaps even enslaved to that condition. And other of us have those moments, like the jailer, moments that change everything, moments that grip us into thinking we are alone and there's only way out. And then still there are some who experience both. But many mental health issues still go unnoticed because we don't want to disrupt our way of living. We don't want to change how we live to confront the pythons in our lives. And like the crowd that was disrupted by Paul and Silas, sometimes we don't speak up in concern for someone we know or love because we don't want to be disrupted. Sometimes it is our conveniences that we don't want bothered. So we ignore the signs. We shrug off comments that cause us to question if we really heard that correctly. We simply accept the response of, I'm fine, when we ask, how are you doing? Speaking up is a courageous thing to do. It takes courage and it takes vulnerability. It's a risk, but it's a risk when done with, with care, love, and compassion. It's a risk that we must take. Author, speaker, and researcher on vulnerability, Brene Brown, says that empathy is the driver. Empathy differs from sympathy in that sympathy is understanding from your perspective. You relate someone's feelings to an experience of your own. While empathy, on the other hand, is putting yourself in the other person's shoes, hoping to understand more of their feelings and the cause of their feelings, hoping to understand why they feel that way. Brown uses the analogy of a friend in a hole. Sympathy will let down a ladder and say something like, yeah, I was in a hole once. It's scary, I know. And then just wait above ground for the friend to come out. Empathy. Empathy climbs down the ladder. Sits with the friend in the hole. Not owning those feelings, but sits. Hoping to understand more fully how they got down there. What's causing them to be there. And what they need while they are there. Empathy is not searching for a solution. Empathy is being present with them. And unfortunately, there are moments like the jailer experience that bring shame or guilt. And sometimes those moments are so traumatic, they make us question life. Brown refers to shame as the unspoken epidemic in our culture. But she does compare shame and guilt. She says, shame is, I am bad. While guilt says, I did something bad. 
Guilt can keep us accountable to face and correct our mistakes with courage. But shame, shame is the feeling that our whole self is a mistake. Shame and guilt both may have seized the jailer that night, forcing him to turn what he thought was the only way out. Beloved, I am here to tell you, just like Paul told the jailer, do not harm yourself, for we are still here. You are loved. You are valued. You are worth something in this space and worth something in life in general. I will stand with you in the dark dungeons of life. I will stay beside you in whatever cave you are in. You are not alone. And I know there are people in your life that will be there no matter what as well. Those who will stay by your side even when the doors are open and they are free to leave. They will stay to help you get the care that is needed. Because our salvation is a communal act. Paul and Silas' worship did not lead to their release alone, but all the chains fell to the ground. Their prayers made a way for all prisoners to find freedom because the earthquake was the manifestation of God's liberation and God's salvation for all people. Everyone's chains were broken, not just a select few. So friends, now is the time to be honest with ourselves and with others to speak up about what is going on in our lives and speak up in concern with care and compassion for others. We have been through quite a lot as a world, a nation, and as communities. If not now, when? So whatever you are feeling, it is okay. If you don't know what to feel or think, that is okay too. Give yourself time and permission to feel. Give yourself time and permission to talk about what's going on inside of us, no matter how small, no matter what the inconveniences may be. Because we are an Easter people, and it is still Easter. Christ died and went to the depths of death for you. And Christ is with you in your deep. And Christ overcame death, and we can sing hallelujah so we don't have to find ourselves alone. No matter where we find ourselves, the gospel can save. So do not harm yourself, for we are still here. Well, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.